0: Hey everyone, Chris Wan here, and this is Accents Out Loud, a podcast by Lucid Accent Consulting. Your weekly glimpse on one person's take on English language learning, accents, experimentation and learning. What's up everyone? It's episode three. Um, Thanks for joining us again. Um, And today we're going to talk a little bit, I know it's going to be a little bit more educational. Um, It's going to be a bit more science heavy or anatomy heavy. um, Because the main thing I want to talk about this time around is sort of people need to know what is involved in speech. Okay, if you don't have a great understanding of sort of how you make speech and what's involved in speech, then it's a hard sort of it's it's a hard idea to conceptualize what you need to do differently or what mouth shapes or what is involved in speech. I think our bodies are so good at doing this so naturally on their own that there isn't a great um, need to be very aware of your of your mouth, of your nose, of your tongue, of your lips, of your teeth. But actually all of those things are really important. And if you don't have a great grasp of um, the parts involved in speech, then it becomes a harder thing to necessarily um, focus on one particular thing. Like let's say, for example, if you don't know how to, you don't you drive a car every day, you drive to work every day, you just hop in the car and you drive, you don't do anything else. Right. Now imagine there's something wrong with the car or something Um, that just doesn't i don't know maybe maybe the the rules of driving differ when you when you take a flight somewhere else internationally right if you're flying in the uk versus if you're flying in japan versus if you're flying in north america in vancouver right um you do it so naturally that you don't really think about all the mechanical things involved in a car to get it to go forward right you just know that you push the pedal, you, you you turn the steering wheel, it goes. But let's say um, something starts to break down, something that starts to not work properly uh, to impact your ability to commute on the road or to drive on the road, uh, you need to start having a better grasp of what could be different or what could be um, going on with that car, right? You need to know do the tires um, work are they inflated is one tire um, deflated right is are the wheels aligned is the alignment correct or are you starting to drift off one way or the other without touching the steering wheel right are your lights on to communicate to other drivers on the road what you're doing um, I don't know, is there a weird engine noise? Is there something going on with the internal combustion system? I know nothing about cars, so I'm just throwing out words that I think are relevant to cars. Um, but yeah, are, 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 is the engine running properly? or Are you hearing a clunking noise? All of these things affect your ability to drive. And in the same way, if you don't know the individual aspects of speech and sort of what's involved in speech, you don't know what to target or what to quote unquote fix. Um, so that's sort of the way I, I think of it. Um, obviously accents are very different in the sense that there's not, it's not something that's broken, right? I think the message I always want to reinforce, to reiterate, to confirm is an accent, a foreign accent only means that your first language is in English. That's the only thing it actually means. It's not an impairment. It's not a problem. It's not um, a disability or something that makes you inferior. It's just that when you're speaking in English, it's not your first language, right? Just as I'm sure my my attempts at French or my attempts at Cantonese, um, I'm Chinese by the way, but my attempts at those languages um, are probably going to be really shitty, uh, or really bad, because I don't that those weren't my first languages. And so that that's sort of the the metaphor that I'm thinking, right, um, it's kind of like a card, you just need to know those things. So let's start with the basics. Okay, um, you've got your lips, your lips are important. Why? Because they need to move. You use them for your speaking, you use them for kissing, you use them for I don't know, blowing bubbles I- in the bath, um, but they're important. They're important for certain sounds like your M sound, mm, your B sound, buh, your P sound, um, they're also a good cue uh, for your F and your V, your F and your V, right? Your lips are involved in those sounds. Um, Directly and then sometimes they're also shaped uh, shaped differently with your um, uh, With other sounds they're sort of rounded you might get a what where your your lips go together and sort of like kissing and then they spread apart um, And without that without that movement of those lips in those different ways Then you can't do the sounds as well. You can't do the sounds as clearly as what native English speakers are expecting or listening for right and so if you um, don't necessarily exaggerate those muscle movements if you don't have the mouth control to use your lips appropriately then your sounds might not come out as clear right and I do see that um, when I work in the hospital when I work in the hospital Sometimes people, because they've had a stroke or something like that, um, half of the, their face isn't working like it used to. And as a result, their lips are not working like they used to. And so the sounds can come out a little bit different. And again, I'm prefacing this, people with accents are not, it's not an impairment like something like a stroke where maybe a, a nerve connection is damaged, but the the idea that if you don't have the lip control it can affect how clear the sound comes out right now the next thing is your jaw your opening and closing of your mouth if you don't know how to or you don't in general open and close your mouth um, to the sort of extremes of what is possible um, then sometimes the sounds will start to sound the same right if you close your mouth and you don't really talk much or you don't really open your mouth much then the sounds can start muffle being muffled in the mouth if you are really opening your mouth like some maybe actors or singers might do or um, Actors in a play, I'm thinking movie celebrities, I don't know, uh, those types of things. When they're singing, they're able to project their voice a little bit more. Um, and it's because they're opening their mouth so well that the air is not being muffled in their mouth and it's being projected out. So if you are quiet and you want to get uh, a bit more, um, you want to feel like you're, you're, you want a stronger voice coming out, then it's a combination of making sure your mouth is wide enough to project the sounds as well as making sure you have enough air um, in your lungs and you're breathing with your diaphragm to be able to project or generate enough have enough air to use with your speech okay what about your teeth your teeth are another excellent i don't know why i said excellent but they're they're another part of your uh speech right they're articulators they're they're things that are involved. Um, you can imagine when a, when a child loses their front teeth, some of their sounds start coming out a little bit different, a little bit more sounding like a lisp. And we use the teeth as sort of a cue for ourselves. It's a sort of um, location um, landmark for where our tongue needs to be. Right. You can think of the uh, there's certain sounds like the TH sounds Voiced and voiceless, um, where your tongue is coming out between your teeth a little bit. You're sticking it out, and that is something that your teeth are useful for. Right, it, it, the sound starts to distort a little bit if you don't have teeth in your mouth. If you, if you're edentulous, if you don't, if you you just have gums and you've lost all your teeth, then maybe the sounds don't sound as as uh, crisp or as clear. Okay. Um, The roof of your mouth is very important in your speech. Again, it's it's sort of another landmark. If you take your tongue, you move it from in front of your teeth and you slowly, along the roof of your mouth, move it backwards. In front of the teeth, in between the teeth, just behind the teeth, it's a little bit harder And then if you move it even further back in the mouth or you use your finger and feel along the roof of your mouth, it starts to feel softer. And so the roof of our mouth is sort of um, separated into the soft palate and the hard palate, the palate is being the fancy word for roof of the mouth. Okay. Um, And the idea is it goes teeth right behind the teeth. Hard, uh, hard palate and then soft palate as you move more and more into the into the throat, uh, into the back of the mouth. Um, and that's important because those are sort of landmarks when we're making speech, when we're making sounds. Um, you can think of when you make the S sound. S- And then stop and then run your, run your tongue back and forth, left and right along the top. Where is it? It's just right behind the teeth. And then what if we do the K sound? K, k, k. Where, what part of the tongue is touching? A. And where is it touching? B, right? It's not the front of the tongue that's making that sound. You can actually open your mouth, look in a mirror and see that the front of the tongue is, you can see it in the, in the mouth. If you really it's down, but it's the back of the, the back of the tongue that's lifting up and that's touching along the softer palate. Okay. So the idea is that roof of the mouth is a very good indicator. And depending on which part of the tongue is touching it. And where it's touching it, um, then it can make a difference in the sound that you make, right? And so you can even think of it as if you were to stick out your tongue and you do the TH sound, if you start to slowly bring that tongue backwards as you still make sound, so I know it sounds weird but the idea is you are moving the tongue backwards while still trying to make a sound, you'll notice that that sound starts to shift into a different sound. First, it starts off as a TH sound. Then it might start to sound more like a S sound, right? And so the tongue and the roof of the mouth, those are sort of interconnected, um, pieces of the mouth. Uh, or the the association between those two things sort of will affect what sound comes out particularly consonants okay the tongue is also very um, or yeah sorry the tongue is very also very helpful for something like your R sound your um, your G sound your there's a there's a lot of Involved in the intricacies of the shape of the tongue Okay um, In other languages, it's helpful for other things like trilled ours um, It's sort of where you can roll your Rs. Uh, I can't do it <laughs> um, And that's something I want to learn just to, just to see if I can teach myself um, but Yeah, it, it the tongue is very important for those types of sounds. And if you don't have the control over the tongue, like I don't with the trilled R, then it'll affect your ability to make the sound um, as authentic to whatever language you're learning. Right? And likewise, if you, let's say you're Spanish and you have that trilled R, but you don't know how to do the North American R, then you're always going to use the trilled R and that's going to sound non native to a native English speaker who can't do a trilled R. Okay. So, um, that's, that's another piece. The other things that I want to think about, or I want you to think about are sort of, um, with your jaw, I'm just jumping back to the jaw. Depending on how wide or open your mouth is, it'll change what vowel comes out. Right? If you think of the, the sounds, ah versus e ah, e, stare at a mirror, see how, how much of a difference your mouth opens depending on which sound comes out. Ah should be a much wider sound or much. Sorry, your mouth should be much wider or more open. Your jaw should be uh, open. You know what I mean. The grammar on that was not great, but you know what I mean. Versus E where the mouth is closed more. Your jaw isn't opening as much and you're almost in a smiling shape, right? E, your your teeth can be showing, but you don't have a a big gaping hole. So you can't really see the tongue when you're making that sound. Um, Another thing that you want to think about is sort of your vocal cords. So your vocal cords are in your throat. And the main thing I need you to think about is that sometimes they vibrate, sometimes they don't. Okay, depending on which sound you make, everything else can be this exact same. So the tongue shape, the mouth shape, the jaw shape, the tongue placement, all of that can be the same. But if you turn on the voice, by having those vocal cords vibrate or don't turn on the voice where the vocal cords don't vibrate, that can affect which sound comes out. That one thing alternates between two possible sounds that come out, right? And so you can think of it um, between your S sound. and hold that for as long as you can. Put your hand on your throat and then do the exact same thing and say the Z sound. The Z sound should have that vibration in the throat and you should really be able to feel that whereas the S sound doesn't. Now that'll affect and again you can think of it even looking at the mouth. If you look in a mirror, you, you try to think about where's your mouth, where's your teeth, where's your tongue, the S and the Z. Nothing else changes. The shape of the mouth is the exact same. The lips are in the exact same position. The jaw's not opening any different, the tongue's not moving in any different shape. The only thing that differentiates between those two sounds is the voice and whether it's on or off. On means Z, off means S. Okay. Um, So if you don't have a good grasp of these individual components that are involved in speech, you might be so close to making the right sound, but because you can't control to turn on or off your voice, for example then you can't consistently make the right sound right you're just one thing one aspect off and you can make the sound but in, until you do that consistently and until you do that every time you need to it's not going to always be correct or native sounding right and i think the thing about it that people get so that non-speech um, specialized people or non-linguistic specialized people is that you're. I don't. I don't think we do a good job about a good enough job about telling you is you're so close to the right sound. Everything is exactly where it needs to be, except for maybe one thing, one little tweak, right? And. Yeah, it'll take a lot of practice to consistently do it, to consistently know what's going on, to consistently um, feel like you're on the right path. But I think it's necessary to be more aware of what sounds and how close you are to actually getting the accurate sound. Because I guess what I what I think is happening with non-native English speakers or people who are not, um, speech specialists or linguistically trained is they only know yes that's the right sound or no that's not the right sound right and sometimes they don't even know that sometimes they don't know what sound they made but if they're told they get the idea yes that's the right sound or no that's not the right sound but they don't know how wrong or how close they are to the right sound right i I think um a metaphor that i can think of that might be helpful for explaining that is sort of you're digging for a pot of gold right you maybe there's a, a hidden treasure somewhere on the beach right you don't know where it is but you blindly just dig a hole just wherever you're standing right now you could be one yard i don't know why i went with yards but one like 10 meters away from where you need to get to to get the gold, or you could be like three inches from where you need to get the gold. And I think it's very important. And that's something that I need to try and communicate more effectively myself is that I need to communicate how close or how accurate the sound that I'm hearing is to what I want. You're just, so close, so many times, right? Non-native English speakers, they are very good at picking the closest sound to what they're actually supposed to do. The problem is it's this one subtle difference or one little shape change in the mouth that'll get them to what they need. It's not like the sounds that they're making are not completely out of left field or completely wrong it's they're so close and again that's something that the the only reason why it's different is because English isn't their native language but they intuitively are able to get so close to the right sound it's just a little bit off because maybe their native their first language isn't doesn't have the the actual sound that you need in English right so that's what I think about um there's one other thing, your nose. So we have this little flap in the back of our throats. Um, we use it, I don't think it's necessarily the biggest issue for majority, I'd say 99% of people um, native native English speaking or non-native English speaking, 99% of the time, it's not an issue, right? Um, The dangly thing in the back of your throat that looks like a punching bag, that's your uvula. And when you are making nasal sounds like your mmm, your M sound or your mmm, your N sound. Your, what happens is that relaxes. That uvula, that dangly thing is relaxing in your throat or relaxing in the back of your mouth. And that allows air to come up into your nose and out the front. And it's that idea of the air in your nose that gives your voice a more nasal quality. Some people have an issue with how nasal they sound. And maybe it becomes distracting or maybe the sound um, is impacted. It's not as important for native versus non-native English speakers, but it is a part of the anatomy involved in making speech. So that's the only reason why I brought that up in the end. Um, but yeah, the main things I want people to be aware of non-native English speakers or people who are trying to improve their English is get a better grasp of what is involved in your speech. Try and pay attention, even, even as you talk. Like if you, even if you were to say the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. Think, okay, how are my lips moving? What are my lips doing in this sound? Um, what are my teeth doing? Do, does my tongue touch my teeth at all? Do I open my mouth a lot? Do I close my mouth a lot? What's going on there? Is it helpful to look in a mirror? You can look in a mirror to get that feedback if you have a harder time feeling it for yourself. Think of your tongue. What is your tongue doing in those sounds? Right? What is your tongue doing in an S sound versus a K sound versus a Sh sound? Right? Versus a Ch sound. What's going on in that? Um, Think about where on the roof of your mouth your tongue is touching. Sometimes it's touching the front, sometimes it's touching the back. Um, And then again, putting your, your hand on your throat is going to be helpful for figuring out consonant sounds and how they differ. Now for vowels, E, A, Oh, you're going to feel that vibration sort of constantly with vowels. And you're going to feel it with your nasal sounds, your M, your N. But some consonants like your P, your B, your T, your F. um, Some of them you're not going to feel that vibration, right? So I think it's it's a matter of being more aware and in the moment and conscious of what's going on with those sounds, okay? Think about it. Feel it out. Explore with your mouth. I think the, the thing that I, I find a lot of people are hesitant to do is they are hesitant to be over-exaggerating, under-exaggerating, seeing what this little tweak does to their sound, seeing how this other little tweak does to their sound, right? This is supposed to be learning a language and learning how to enunciate, articulate, pronounce sounds, whatever word you want to use to describe it is supposed to be a fun, good learning experience. If you are constantly frustrated with how you sound compared to other people and you just want to get to that finished final product, that's going to be the hardest barrier for you or the the biggest obstacle for you because you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be enjoying the, the journey of learning. You're not going to be enjoying or excited to practice or interested to practice or curious about the different things that you can be doing to your mouth shape to get you there, right? You're just going to jump through the hoops to try to learn, but if you don't have the passion for it, then you're not going to want to do it, right? It's almost like doing work that you're not interested in doing. right? During your nine to five, if you're not interested in do it, you're not going to put the same effort. You're not going to put the same passion. You're not going to put the same attention. You're not going to really care, but this is if, if you're listening to this and you want to care about what you're doing, you want to care about how you sound, then you need to enjoy it. You need to be curious. Uh, anyways, I think that's about it for today. Um, yeah, If you liked what you heard subscribe I'm trying to do this every week Uh, putting this out every Thursday it's a one-man band that I'm trying to do myself Um, but yeah like give me some feedback Uh, I'm on check me out on Facebook Instagram um, lucid accent if uh, you like what I try to do here um, I'm trying to make an email newsletter 5 bullet brief every week trying to send out something that I'm interested in something tech related something some sort of quote some sort of thought that I'm in some sort of a research paper I'm interested in as it relates to English language learning and accents uh, sign up for that um, yeah any feedback would be helpful and sort of figuring out what I can do to teach you or to let you know more about what I know okay Hope everyone has a great day. It is beautiful here in Vancouver, um, British Columbia. Uh, we've got some Canada, by the way. Uh, we've got some crazy nice weather. It's like, I don't know, 16 degrees here. Hope y'all are having a great day. See you at the next one.